At this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. We are here with Sarah Vallely, mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. On today's episode, we talked about Donald Trump and whether or not he would benefit from mindfulness practice. Sarah shares some research to help us out. I'm Jacob Drossett. We are here with Sarah Vallely. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Jacob. Thank you. Yep. We're going there. We're crossing the line. We're going to talk about some politics. Jacob and I haven't had a conversation about politics off the air, on the air. So you'll witness our first possibly political conversation. My prediction is that Jacob is going to be super nice. He's Midwestern, going to stay neutral and and be nice about everything. So so we'll see. Well, it's because I am neutral. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's not an act. It's genuine. Yeah. 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 I think I'm pretty neutral too. Full disclosure, I am politically moderate. I think I understand both sides and that's what I really value. I don't want them to agree with me. I just want them to understand the possibility of where I'm coming from. I understand the need to progress forward with social justice issues. I understand the need to do what's better for the whole as opposed to for the individual. I understand the benefits of being fiscally conservative. I understand Christians who want their beliefs about right and wrong to be reflected in the law. And I do understand that there are some people who are really fed up with the political system and they think someone like Donald Trump can really have an effect. But I don't get Trump. (laughs) I absolutely don't. (laughs) I guess I kind of think he's an asshole. So I I said it. Off air, I'm like, what is the appeal here? I really am bewildered by people's love for him and admiration. It seems like he's a jerk. I'm so don't want to follow him. I'm so off put by his, all of his, his thing, you know? So yeah, that's, that's my whole stance on it. Being as open as I can possibly be, it still doesn't seem appealing, you know? Like that's just where I'm at. And I think we agree on that. We practice mindfulness, we practice loving kindness, and then it's like you hit a wall with Trump, right? Yeah, right. I've had these conversations with people who are in a similar mindset. You just can't cross that line. But after preparing for this podcast, I am going to make an effort to include Trump in my loving kindness meditation. Whoa, okay. Yeah, that's pretty high rung. I, I agree with you, though. That's a good, that's actually a really good North Star. Like, you know what? I feel like. Like if I can do that, boy, I'm I'm doing pretty good. There's a spectrum of like degrees of ease to include someone in your in your loving kindness. And boy, that's an interesting one. I didn't even think about that. They're a part of your family. It's a global family. Yeah. So that's my whole view on all this, really. I love that you brought that up about these personalities are part of our family. They're part of our society. Or, that's how yeah. I really look at it. I try to look at it that way. Some of my biggest strides in my compassion practice I made while George W. Bush was president. I was just learning how to be compassionate for a leader who I didn't necessarily agree with, but I haven't done that with Trump. This is maybe something that I can incorporate into my practice. 
So again, what if Trump practiced mindfulness? The Washington Post's fact checkers report that Trump made 18,000 false statements between the years 2017 and 2020. So if Trump practiced mindfulness, would he lie less? I mean, that's what mindfulness is about, right? We're picking up on all our own lies, all the stories that we're making up. And I think people that tend to lie, they're lying to themselves first. They're convincing themselves and then they end up lying to people around them. If Trump practiced mindfulness, would he run for president? Would he treat women differently? And I'm just going to say it because I'm sure everybody else is thinking it. If Trump practiced mindfulness, would he be a better person? So let's just say we're just talking about somebody that does these things specifically. And this is a great example of that. If we have a friend that is doing all of these things, of course, somebody that is more aware is going to do these things less. If you are doing things like that, you're causing harm. There is a certain amount of harm that is happening at the wake of lying, at the wake of you being even misguided. So then the more attention that you have on the fact that you're doing that, the more rooted you are in your practice and yourself and compassion for others, you're probably going to do that a lot less. Yeah, that's an important tenet in Buddhism is being aware of when you're causing harm and making adjustments so you don't cause harm. I'm going to put some oil on the fire here. Do you think Trump is a narcissist? Okay, well, I can get out of that one easy. I have no business judging, especially using a clinical term. I can't judge. Yeah. Yeah. And as mindfulness practitioners, we shouldn't be diagnosing other people and making these judgments about other but people. I'm gonna, but I'm going to say, if, you know, we're having a beer. <laughs> right. If you and I are having a beer, we're going to talk about how Trump is a narcissist. <laughs> I'm a trainer, for God's sake. If this is my uncle, I'm going to be like, boy, <laughs> seems like something's going on there, you know? Yeah. I'll review what being a narcissist means. Grandiose sense of self-importance, fantasies of unlimited power, demands for excessive admiration, and lacks empathy. There also are some positive attributes that are associated with narcissism, and that is high self-esteem, charisma, and leadership strengths. 5% of the population meets the criteria in the DSM-5 for narcissistic personality disorder. There are a few different types of personality disorders. There's also a borderline personality disorder. There's sociopath, a a few others. 15% of the population is diagnosed with a personality disorder. So that's one in seven. Mary Trump Donald's niece is a clinical psychologist and the author of Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. She says that Trump is a narcissist, but she's trying to sell books, right? So maybe we don't have to go by what she says. Vanity Fair, Psych Central, CNN, The Guardian, Psychology Today, the list goes on and on. All of these news outlets have published articles Trump is a narcissist, and not only that he's a narcissist, he's a textbook case of narcissism. There's a guy named Bill Eddy. He's the author of Why We Elect Narcissists and Sociopaths, and he says that Trump has malignant narcissism. One of the things that I learned researching for this episode is there are about five or six different types of narcissists. I hope to be able to relay some of this information to you. One of them is called malignant narcissism, which is considered a combination of narcissistic personality disorder, sociopathy, paranoia, 
sadism. I'm just repeating what I read on the interweb, <laughs> not my personal diagnoses, but I will tell you that malignant narcissism is like the worst one yeah. <laughs> out of all of them. This is really interesting that you say this. When you brought up the positive, I guess, symptoms of narcissism, those all seemed like the reason that people love Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, there are attributes that narcissists have that draw people in. It, it's it's quite true. I've, I've personally experienced it. Humor. I mean, you know, I love humor. And for the most part, narcissists have a great sense of humor. <laughs> they just make me laugh. So yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? Some people that I really look up to are Brene Brown and Kristen Neff. They are both researchers in the fields of psychology. If you read Brene Brown's book on shame called Daring Greatly, amazing book, she says that at the root of narcissism is shame, that they're experiencing so much shame that they're doing all of these things to make up for that. If you read Kristen Neff's book called Self-Compassion, she shares research that narcissists actually don't have shame. They truly believe that they are superior. I think it's interesting that they conflict in this way, but maybe it's because there are these different types of narcissists. So maybe it depends on what type, but they both live in Texas, Brene Brown and Kristen Neff. One's in Austin and one's in Houston. So I kind of imagine them sitting having coffee at Starbucks somewhere and be like, so what do you think is at the root of narcissism? The way I see it, there are four possible outcomes to if Trump learns mindfulness or if somebody who's narcissistic learns mindfulness. One of the outcomes could be Trump is already mindful and we don't realize it. So if he learned mindfulness, it wouldn't really have that much of, of an effect. Or he could learn mindfulness and it would simply have no effect. It would go in one ear, go out the other ear. Or he could learn mindfulness and it could help him be more empathetic and less self-centered. Or the last possible outcome here, if he learned mindfulness, it could exacerbate his narcissism. And there's actually data that supports this theory. So stay tuned. One of the studies I read is called, Do Bigger Egos Mean Bigger Presence? What do you think of that title? Do you get the pun? Meaning if you are a narcissist and you have presence, you have presence and everybody yeah, sees yeah, you. Or yeah. is it presence? I'm very mindful and very present. Yeah, that's clever. Yeah, <laughs> very clever. Yeah, the rest of the title is Facets of Grandiose Narcissism and Mindfulness Current Psychology. They gave tests to everybody who participated in the study. One test was on their mindfulness skills and the other test was on attributes of being narcissistic. The attributes of being narcissistic divided into two types of narcissism, one that's called agentic narcissist, which is also called overt narcissism. You might have heard of that. And this type of narcissist has grandiose views of themselves, but are not necessarily aggressive. And then the other type of narcissism is antagonistic narcissism, which is characterized by their manipulative behaviors, their aggressive behaviors. They don't have a lot of self-regulation reacting a lot. The people that had agentic narcissistic attributes actually also had high mindfulness skills. And then the people that, yeah. And then the people that had antagonistic narcissistic attributes, they had low mindfulness skills. Oh my God. I never even realized this. Every time I hear a podcast where a mindfulness person is on specifically with Sam, he always asks them what they think about all these mindfulness teachers that misbehave. 
people that have had very, very deep levels of called mindfulness skills have displayed narcissistic behavior. I never thought of that until right now. I never drew that. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? I was blown away when I overt narcissists are quite aware of their thoughts and their feelings, quite aware of their external environment, very aware of their social interactions. And they may be using mindfulness to maximize their self-promotion efforts. Yeah. I Now I'm drawing so many parallels right now to this. This is incredible because self-awareness and deep awareness can manifest itself in so many different ways. That's so fascinating. I wonder why that is. The difference between these antagonistic narcissists and these more overt narcissists is they're able to self-regulate more. So if they're able to self-regulate more is because of their mindfulness skills, because of their awareness, they are aware of what they're doing. People in general self-regulate better because they have more awareness. Wow. That's interesting. This antagonistic type narcissist, they're very reactive. They don't have this self-control necessarily, very temperamental. And so in some ways, they're missing out on using their narcissistic qualities. The researchers recommend that people who have antagonistic type narcissism, that they learn mindfulness, that it could help them, but help them do what? I don't know, be more narcissistic. I think you'll find this interesting. When I was doing my research, there are several studies and several articles about spiritual programs making people more narcissistic. And I didn't want this episode to be centered on that. Maybe that could be a future episode, but I thought I would mention one bit of research. This is another type of narcissism. It's called communal narcissism. And this type of narcissist, they have an inflated sense of self-worth and a need to help others. When I was reading this, I was like, oh no, I've been really trying to work on my worthiness issues, feel more worthy. And I feel like I really like to help others. Maybe I'm this kind of narcissist, but yep. don't do that. If you're yeah. listening, yeah, don't. Even, don't. even so far when you mentioned that, I'm like, do I have that? <laughs> like, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So no, don't diagnose yourself listening to this episode. Don't di- diagnose other people more. Just look at this research and find the interesting connections that are made here. What the study shows is that there are higher numbers of communal narcissists in yoga groups and meditation groups than in a control group with just random people in it. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In gym culture, you know, this is like a thing. I think gym communities also, people are kind of known for a narcissistic endeavor. People wear a minimal amount of clothing and then they spend so much time and effort making their body look a certain way. That makes total sense. And I think that's exactly what I'm talking about here. Maybe not the helping part. Maybe when you go to the gym, you're not necessarily helping people. That's interesting. It makes you think about things. Another study that was published in Personality and Individual Differences Journal. This was very similar to the study I just shared, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But they did basically the same thing, but the two types of narcissism that they broke the groups into were vulnerable narcissism, which is also referred to as covert narcissism, another type. This type of narcissist portrays themselves as humble and sometimes as a victim. They're often more introverted, but they have an inflated sense of self-importance and crave admiration. And the other group of narcissists was that agentic narcissism, that overt narcissism that we were talking about. Same thing, the overt narcissists were more mindful 
and the vulnerable narcissists were less mindful. So it, it supports that earlier study. This last study, does mindfulness meditation increase empathy? There's something called cognitive empathy. And when you have cognitive empathy, you can figure out what someone is feeling or possibly what they're thinking. This skill helps us see the perspectives of other people and motivates us to help other people. The idea is, is that if we practice mindfulness, our empathy or our cognitive empathy will improve. And the reason that researchers believe this is because when experienced meditators practice mindfulness, they activate the areas of the brain that are activated when we experience empathy. And those are the prefrontal cortex, the anterior cingulate cortex, and the anterior insula. When we get stressed, it's more difficult for us to have empathy. And the reason is to have empathy or to have cognitive empathy, we need to use our higher functioning abilities in our brain. Empathy requires a high level of processing in our brain. And when we get stressed, we're pulled out of those areas of our brain that do high level processing and we're moved more into those lower levels and more primal levels. So reducing stress is really important to our ability to be empathetic. Therefore, I would say mindfulness practice would be really helpful. So the researchers who conducted this study, they wondered if mindfulness meditation could help narcissistic people be more empathetic by quieting their egos and that this practice might affect their grandiose image of themselves. So what they did in this study is they had some groups. One group practiced mindfulness for five minutes, focused on their breathing. And they had the people in the study look at photos and then describe what the person in the photo might be thinking or what they might be feeling. Interesting. Yeah. I would love to do that. Yeah, yeah. We should do that. This is a way for them to test cognitive empathy ability. Oh God. I'm actually scared of that now that I think about it. I would think I would do really, really well. And then I was actually doing horribly. That's the worst thing is that I'm walking through life, really believing that I'm doing such good things. And then everybody from everybody else's perspective, I'm doing horrible things. That's the worst case scenario. Well, I'm sure you'd be great. So you ready to hear the results of this crazy study? Absolutely. They also gave them a test to see their level of narcissistic attributes. And the people that had low narcissistic attributes improved their cognitive empathy after they practiced mindfulness. The group of people who had high narcissistic attributes, their cognitive empathy decreased after the mindfulness exercise by 15%. Wow. They actually redid the trial. They were like, what? I mean, completely unexpected. They redid the trial with different people and got the same exact results. Decreased their empathy, their cognitive empathy by 15% after practicing mindfulness. Okay. I can't wait to hear you explain what's going on. (laughs) Here's a quote from the study. Mindfulness backfired among those who seem to need it the most. I was going to ask you what you thought, why you thought that happened. Actually, my whole question through all this has been, would somebody who is a diagnosed narcissist be able to meditate, period? You know what I mean? I think of this all the time with like certain family members that I discuss exercise with. 
it's just not even on the menu of options for them. There's just no chance. I don't see a way in to get them to exercise, even though I know exercise is so important, let alone mindfulness. I'm like 0 for 30 on getting people to meditate in my life, maybe 1 for 30 on getting people to exercise. Here's my take on Donald Trump practicing mindfulness, sitting on the cushions. And this is what he's thinking. He's thinking, sitting, quiet, noticing a thought, genius. My thoughts are fabulous. Sitting, birds chirping. Wow, I'm so good at practicing mindfulness. Sitting, quiet, noticing thought. Another another genius thought. Yeah, that was like what I was thinking earlier. Like they just think that they're really good at it. Like I think I'm really bad at mindfulness every time I practice it and I make all these reasons. But yeah, I guess somebody that's a narcissist must be like, wow, I'm really good at this. <laughs> and it's just reaffirming it. That's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it is funny. As far as this idea of someone practices mindfulness who's got narcissistic attributes and then they essentially become more narcissistic, right? Because they have less empathy. It made me think of someone I knew who worked with adjudicated youth in the wilderness. And he would tell these kids that he worked with, what I'm going to teach you is going to make you better at whatever you do. Meaning if you're a drug dealer, it's going to make you a better drug dealer. If you steal cars, it's going to make you better at steal cars. Like whatever it is that you do, this wilderness training is going to make you better at it. So so maybe it's kind of like that. Yeah, it might be. You know, I thought of that once. I had somebody that I trained that was a convicted felon and it was a violent offense. And I was like, okay, now I have a real moral quandary that this is someone that has been abusive towards people. And I, I definitely can't train this person. Okay, if this is someone who is hurting people, I can't improve someone's fitness level that is harming others. Mm. Then I confronted him about it. And it was not true. And it turns out he was a very nice guy and he got into a bad situation. Like a, a martial arts gym would do the same thing. If someone came in and they had harmful intentions with harming other people, they would not train them. Yeah, it's a moral dilemma. Right? It is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, you have to think it through. So if you have someone that you think is a narcissist, you can't work with them. <laughs> you have to turn them down and say, I'm just going to help you. Yeah. I, based on this research, yeah, I can see coming yeah. to that conclusion, but I'm also that forever optimist. Yeah. I will be able to help this person turn well, this around. I'll, I'll tell you, I think that the secret is a microdosing. That's now my recommendation for most things, but I think this would be one of those situations. They've actually looked into that with uh, people that are sociopaths to literally to car those neural pathways that they actually don't have. And that's what that does. I think maybe we should make our official recommendation for Trump that he microdose instead yeah, of yeah, his yeah. mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in this situation, you need some stronger medicine, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Going back to that question, why did the narcissist decrease their cognitive empathy by 15% after they practiced mindfulness for five minutes? Obviously, I'm not an expert on this. I don't know. But my guess is, is that during that five minutes, they were focusing on their breath and they were, which is themselves. It was their breath. So they got very focused on themselves and who they are and their experience. And so then when they went to look at the pictures to identify what those people were experiencing, I think maybe it acted as a a hurdle for them to get outside of themselves and identify and connect with the people in the pictures. Whereas somebody else who did not have narcissistic attributes and practiced mindfulness for five minutes, what that five minutes of focusing on their breath did for them was to just quiet all the chatter and all the distraction in their heads. So then when they looked at the pictures, they were able to tune in more with 
with what possibly the people in the pictures were thinking and feeling. I think Trump has every narcissistic superpower there is and you know because there's all these different kinds of of narcissism and so therefore I think he's probably already mindful and I think that maybe if he learned mindfulness it would uh, make him even more narcissistic. Do you think though that this would apply the same to loving kindness meditation specifically? No, maybe uh, yeah. not. I think the study needs to be done with people that are diagnosed to have them do like a very intense intensive loving kindness meditation. I would be very curious to see the results of that study because this is just awareness in general. It's not targeted mm -hmm. towards compassion. It's not having a goal of like trying to open your heart. You know what I mean? I would love to see that study be done. Yeah, I will look into that. Let's do that. Let's right now, I'm going to lead a loving kindness meditation. Excellent. And I'm going to say, may I have joy. May I have good health. May I have freedom. May Trump have joy. May Trump have good health. May Trump have freedom. May all beings have joy. May all beings have good health. May all beings have freedom. For me, when we just went through that, I did all right, except for the freedom one. May Trump have freedom. That one was a struggle. He's done so many things wrong. If this person has these things that we mentioned, it's going to be better for everybody around, right? If this person has their needs met, they're likely to, to do less harm. It's a great method, I think, for everybody to remember that we're all in this situation together. And boy, some people are a little harder to use as your token of loving kindness than others. If these people are in a good place, then that just helps us feel like we're in a good place. I think I struggled with the freedom one because I think on a deep level, I actually fear Trump. And so that freedom line made me feel unsafe. If he's free, then I'm not going to be safe. There's a lot of psychology in there. It's interesting. This is interesting because I can just really feel how charged people can be around this topic. It's a tall order, but to me, I'm very competitive and I want to be the most loving person possible. But at the same time, I say all that and I'm like, I don't know, man. It seemed like there's this difficult order to just have love for somebody as a fellow human and then to hold somebody accountable are two separate things, right? It's a struggle. I will put a link in the show notes to a really good article that outlines each of these different types of narcissism because it's a little bit hard to follow. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to help us out, you could please just give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you're using. That would be very helpful. Thank you so much. The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD Mindfulness production. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind as in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at aware underscore mind underscore podcast. Thank you.